Welcome to the McPodcast. This is our Grey's Anatomy Rewatch podcast, and this is our first episode. Yes, um, you can almost call this our McPilot. My name is Kaylee. And my name is Liv. Um, we've been best friends for our entire lives, and we're in our 20s. Uh, we've been watching Grey's Anatomy since sophomore year of high school, so it's been a pretty long time. Yeah, we've probably rewatched Grey's Anatomy about, like, what, like, I don't even want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, a disgusting number. I feel like, at least for us, it's, like, one of those shows we could throw on and instantly be able to just talk about literally everything during. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we realized that there weren't really any podcasts that talk about Grey's Anatomy a lot. Um, and we consider ourselves uh, super fans. And we wanted to discuss it with you because we have a lot of opinions we about it. a lot of opinions. Um, so we wanted to go uh, episode by episode and just dissect them. Uh, we're going to start with episode one and hopefully make it to the present episodes, which is uh, season 17 right now. Yeah, but who knows? By the time we're doing this, it's probably going to be like season 20, <laughs> season 30. I mean, Shonda keeps pumping them out, so good for her. Yep, so... um. We're just going to go in a chronological order from the episode and just talk about everything that's happening and also throw in some fun facts there for you. Yeah. So let's get started with our first episode. Yes. All right. So the first episode is called... Okay. So the first episode is called A Hard Day's Night. And something I learned uh, while making this was a lot of the episodes, actually all the episodes except for one, are named based on a song that's playing during the episode um which I just thought was really interesting the only episode that's not is actually in a much later season um and it's about domestic violence and the episode name is the number for the hotline for domestic violence so I thought that was like really cool that is really cool I mean now like looking back on it that does make a lot of sense yeah but bottom line most episodes are named after a song that plays during it, which I thought was interesting. I never knew that. Do you want to know a really embarrassing fact about me personally? And Yes, absolutely. So back when I was in high school and I had to make really dramatic Instagram post captions, I'd caption them after Grey's Anatomy episode. Did you know you were naming them after songs? <laughs> no idea. But I, that's like my embarrassing fun fact is I used to name them after these episode titles. I'm really not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's dive into what's happening in this episode. Uh, we have a lot of things to say, so we should get started. Yeah. Um, so the first scene of Grey's Anatomy, you see Meredith and this unknown man, who is Derek Shepard. Yes, but we don't know this yet. Yes, but he's very attractive. That's all we know. Oh, so, the more we know is they have just woken up from what seems to be a one-night stand. Um, you know, she pulls, I think it's a pillow, off his body. I think and it's a blanket. It's a blanket. <laughs> it's a, it is a blanket. 
and you see his bare bottom, which, oh my god, I'm, I mean, I'm a very big Derek fan, so that was, like, my selling point. That's the highlight of the whole episode, the whole show, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they wake up, and she doesn't, like, she's trying to, like, make weird, awkward, small talk, but she doesn't remember his name, and I think this is really badass, because, like, usually it's the other way around in, like, TV shows and movies where the guy could kind of care less about what the girl's name is or about her, but Meredith kind of, like, switches the narrative there, and I think that's, like, a power move on Shonda's part. Yep, Shonda loves um, giving women really powerful roles, which I really like, because especially for 2005, a lot of shows didn't really do that. Um, and I also think it's interesting that they started the episode with that because yes, it's a show about surgeons, but it, they really focus in on their relationships. And I think that was really important. Um, a fun fact that I found out was that they almost took out the scene with the one night stand, um, because one of the executive producers argued that why would Meredith go out drinking and have a one-night stand before starting a new doctor job the next day. So, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's just crazy to think about because if they didn't have that scene in there, I feel like the whole tone of the show would be different. That'd be so off. And I feel like that's such a Meredith personality trait. Like, the night before her, like, fantastic new career, like, starting my life, of course she's going to wake up hungover and late. Probably from drinking tequila. From probably drinking from tequila. Like, that is such a personality trait of her character that it's surprising that they were like, oh, why would she even do that? Like, of course she would do that. That's Meredith. Yeah, and I think um, their relationship was such a focal point of the show. It was, like, pretty important to put that in there. I can't imagine what it would have been like with that not being in there. That's Honestly. a great fact, Kaylee. Yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> so that scene ends, and the new scene, which has one of my favorite songs, at least in Grey's, which is Portions for Foxes. Um, it, this is like a little highlight reel where, she, you know, she's in her car driving throughout Seattle because that's where the show is located. And she's driving to... Uh, Seattle Grace for her first day of her in- um internship, right? No, what's the name of it? I guess. yeah. So she she's an intern. She's an yeah. Intern. Um, I also think it's interesting because they show her walking out of her house, and I notice, or we both notice that um that is a different house. It is. It's not the same house throughout the whole show. Yeah. Well, they use the same house throughout the whole show, except for. I think in that episode. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. And Grey's Anatomy is actually filmed in Los Angeles. It's not filmed in Seattle. But Meredith's house um, is actually in Seattle. So. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, more of Meredith's, I guess, like, character trait. She is late. On her first day, yep. she walks. No one in. yells at her. Yeah, no one. No one even says anything. Like, like she's a late intern, and no one said a word. Yeah, which is just very weird Bizarre. to me. Yeah, so she like walks in, and still portions for foxes is playing, and she's walking in, and they're all in the OR, and it literally looks like a Hunger Games scene. Like they're all ready to fight, 
And we hear someone who we don't know who he is yet, but um, it ends up being Chief. Yep. He's talking about how, you know, half of you guys are going to switch to an easier specialty. Some of you will be dropped out or asked to leave. And it's going to be, like, one of the most important and transformational seven years of their life. Um, and I think it's interesting that he's talking to them because I was wondering... Um, how accurate Grey's Anatomy is. Like, how do other hospitals actually run their hospital? And I found out that the interns don't normally have very much contact with the chief at all. Um, so I just think it's interesting that the chief, like, always goes out of his way to talk to the interns. Like, why? And you'll see, like, more and more we go into this podcast, Chief is such a big character on this show. Like, it's... It's so funny. Like, I guess the hierarchy of, you know, people who work here are very different than what it is in real life, obviously, because this is a Mm -hmm. television show. Yep. And in real life, um, the chief of surgery doesn't normally run the entire hospital. Um, And they make it seem like the chief of surgery runs the entire hospital. Yeah. He seems like, you know, he's like the king of the hospital. Like, I understand they have to do these things as a TV show. They have to make it, like, dramatic and interesting. I just find it interesting that that's not actually how it works yeah um but you see the chief talking to all of them and in the background you see alex um he is one of the interns in their class yes um i feel like alex is a very interesting like side easter egg thing for this episode yep so alex wasn't uh originally put into the show he, the actor actually auditioned for another show on ABC that didn't air and they liked him and they thought they needed, um, like a bad character sort of in Grey's Anatomy, like, like a jerk. So they CGI'd him into the episode after they aired it, which I didn't know in the beginning. And then when we rewatched it, we noticed that he just sort of pops up sometimes. Yeah, he just he's just kind of like in the corner of things. Like, in this opening sequence, they're highlighting each intern that we're going to get to know throughout the whole show. Mm-hmm. So they pan a shot on Christina Yang, who is... Oh, my favorite. Yeah, she's Kaylee's favorite. I mean, she's <laughs> such a badass. We love her. They highlight George O'Malley. Izzy Stevens, Askarev, and of course, our girl, Meredith Grey. Yup. And, um, they, except for Alex, because he wasn't in the episode, um, they all have Bailey as their resident. Yes. So, they call Bailey, who is, you know, their resident, the Nazi, which I feel like we can't call people that today. Nope. I mean, this I don't think... This was 2005. This was 2005, and we probably shouldn't even have been making that joke in 2005 anyway, but they call her Nazi because she's, like, strict. She's this, um... No-nonsense. No, yeah, no-nonsense, no-mess-around character, but they all think she's a dude, which also, again, breaking, you know, gender roles. Yeah. She's, um, obviously a woman... She's very powerful, and I also think it's interesting because apparently Shonda Rhimes modeled Miranda Bailey after her mother. That's adorable. I love that. She she says her mom was like a no-nonsense kind of person, and she wanted a character to emulate that. 
and they also wanted to show like the boss um persona I guess of her so the actors actually never met um what's her name Chandra Wilson right yeah they never met her um until they filmed that first scene oh my god really yep they they wanted them to like they wanted to be authentic so they never met her and she comes in and she starts telling them her five rules. Oh, these And five apparently rules. they started like laughing and they had to refilm it because then she gave them the eyes and then they all got quiet. The eyes. So I just think it's really interesting that um she did that and it makes it sort of real in a way. Yeah. I mean I I get nervous what, you know. So do we want to go over these five rules? Yes. I just, um, I just opened them. So her number one, her rule number one is don't bother sucking up because I already hate you and that's not going to change. <laughs> How do you not laugh if you're, <laughs> you not laugh if you're that. told that and like you've never met this person? And... Or even the fact that like her first rule like goes out the window after like, you know, like what? Yeah, she doesn't actually hate them. She loves them. They're her babies, but, you know, she doesn't know that right now. Um, so then she goes, um, trauma protocol, phoneless pagers, nurses will page you. You will answer every page at a run. A run. That's rule number two. Which they break in the first episode. Meredith breaks that rule, yeah. and it almost kills her patient. Yeah. The second rule... I mean, that was the second rule. The third rule is you're the bottom of the, in- uh, you're the bottom of the food chain. Sorry. You're interns, grunts, nobodies. Um, you run labs, write orders, and work every second night until you drop. And don't complain. I guess that's rule number three. And they do complain. And they complain <laughs> all the time. Oh my gosh. They're so complaining and whiny. They are whiny. They're whiny. Um... Let's see. And the next one is on-call rooms. Attendings will hog them. Sleep where you can, when you can. Which brings me to rule number three. If I'm sleeping, don't wake me up. Oh, okay. So I guess um, her letting them know that they're, you know, low on the surgical food chain wasn't a rule. It was just kind of, you know, just reminding them that they are... The freshman, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was rule number three, is to sleep when you can, when you can. And then rule number four, which I think is a funny one. The patient, uh, the dying patient better not be dead when I get there. Not only would you have killed someone, you woke me up for no reason. Are we clear? Badass. <laughs> That's so funny. And then lastly, the final rule, which kind of makes sense. When I move, you move. Because if she's, like, running around, I guess imagine, like, in a traumatic situation in, like, an ER or something, they can't just be standing there. They gotta, like, you know, as Preston will say later, take your balls out of your front pocket and get to it. Yeah, which is, um, it's really good the way they film that because she says when I move, you move while she's running to a page. So they all have to follow her at that time. Which leads us into our next part of the episode where we miss, uh, meet our first patient. Yep, that's Katie Bryce, um, and she is having seizures. She ends up needing a neuroconsult, 
Which also leads us to uh, Derek Shepard. Yes. So we don't really know why she's having these seizures. Um, she's a pageant queen, a teen teen pageant queen, which is totally the opposite of like who Meredith is. Which I think it's funny that this is like her first patient is this polar opposite person that she needs to start taking care of. Yeah, and I think they did that on purpose because they wanted to show like how Meredith is so not like that. Yeah. So the first doctor we see when they take Katie out of the, you know, helicopter ambulance and bring her into her room is Preston Burke. Um, Preston Burke, I love him. <laughs> um he has some major flaws though. Major flaws. Um we noticed during this time and also throughout the episode, um, that he seems to be on a huge power trip. Yeah, he, um, you know, at this point in the show, we really don't know any other attendings but him, and I feel like he kind of gives us the persona that he's, like, the only attending here, like, he's the top banana, he's or whatever. He's the doctor in the hospital. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, you can argue that. So, basically, he walks in, Katie is still having her seizure, and he says, you know what, we're going to do a full workup. So, I guess a full workup means, um, you know, getting lab scans, um, and he's- I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> we're not doctors. We should <laughs> be after watching the show, though. Yeah, we are actually, like, far opposite from doctors. We do nothing in medicine as a career, throwing that out there. Um, so- Bailey assigns everyone to different, um, I guess, like, different jobs for the day. So she sends uh, Christina to run labs. She runs Meredith to scans. George, um, George is taking labs for another patient. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that she is the one who assigns Meredith to stay with the patient. I think she is, I don't know if she's, like, favoriting her, if she knows who her mother was or something. Yes, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but I did notice that. And then she puts Izzy, Dr. Model, as they call her, on rectal exams, which kind of sucks. Yeah, she probably <laughs> just judged her and hated her for being a model who, like, thinks, yeah. she, thinks she could be a doctor. I'm going to make her do rectal exams, and let's see if she survives this part. Definitely. Um, And I also thought it was interesting because... So she sent Meredith to take the patient, Katie, for a CT. And Meredith, who apparently grew up in this hospital, um, gets lost. She takes her to the morgue. Which, um, I would understand, like, it's your first day and you get lost. But apparently she, like, grew up in this hospital. Her mom was a huge surgeon there. And how does she get lost if she apparently grew up there like should she know where that is and also like common sense she takes her to the morgue yeah the morgue is always in the basement out of like i'm pretty positive that like every hospital like the morgue is in the basement why would you take someone to the basement to go get a ct scan like that's just like i'm not a doctor i'm not anything towards a doctor i'm a dancer but i even know (laughs) that you don't take someone to the basement and katie even says that to her She's like, you know, when I was here last time for my sprained ankle, I had a nurse and she wasn't this lost, which I think is a 
you know. She goes, what are you, like, new? What are you, like, new? <laughs> Which I think is funny. But yeah, because it's her first day. So, you know, we go on to this whole thing where, you know, Izzy's giving rectal exams and she's, like, grossed out. George can't take blood on a patient and Burke steps in and kind of calls him, like, incompetent. Like, oh, can't take blood. Like, what is this, your first day? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like you should probably know how to take blood on your first day, right? I have no idea, honestly, but it's just, it, they made it seem like you should. Yeah, I mean, you feel like you should know. Um, so then we pan over, and Christina knocks on the door of an OR, and she wants Bailey. She tells her the scans are clean, and she doesn't know why he, she's having the seizures. But then she asks about the first solo surgery. And um, there's this tradition on the first day of the new interns, um, you know, first day that they, the attending on call picks one intern to scrub in on a solo surgery. Yeah, which is actually insane. Um, I was, like I said, looking up to see if the way they run their hospital is typical and like ORs, um, or interns never really get to see the inside of an OR apparently, like ever. It's like very rare that an intern gets to like operate on someone. So a solo surgery on your first day as an intern is like, that patient's going to die. Yeah. Like I would not want an intern and it's their first day operating on me. Like what? I know. That sounds horrible. That's like, (laughs) that's like you're, you know, you go on a plane and the pilot's like, okay, you know, let's pick someone. Who wants to fly the plane today? Let's hope for the best. <laughs> like, like, why would you give someone that responsibility on their first day? Right. And I also think it's interesting that Burke picked George to do it because he told all the interns that George was the most promising, but George couldn't even take blood and he yelled at him for it. So I really think he just picked George because he knew he would fail. And like, they did say that he would set an example for everyone. So maybe they were just trying to take the interns off of their high horse or something. Definitely. Um, but you know what? If they were trying to take the interns off their high horse... And they should have picked Alex. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. They should have picked Alex. I mean, we don't really know too much about Alex yet. But if they push that scene back in this episode and push his kind of, like, welcoming scene, they should have picked Alex. Get I, him off his high horse. Maybe I, he wouldn't be such an asshole. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Well, he was CGI'd into the episode. Yeah. They filmed it before he was even there. And also they did mention that George barely got into the program to begin with. So maybe Alex's grades were better or something. Yeah. They just needed to find like like a scapegoat, you know, like yeah. a like a lone sheep. Like someone of... who would definitely fail. Yeah. So back to Katie Bryce. Going back to Katie Bryce, Meredith is back with um the scans and she's she goes to ask Bailey, where is uh, Dr. Burke? You know, I have the scans for Katie. And then uh, Bailey's like, oh, nope, he, uh, she was transferred over to neuro, which makes sense. Because if she's having seizures, why would she be with Dr. Burke, who is a cardiothoracic surgeon? And they're like, you know what? He's with the new attending, Derek Shepard. And she turns around. And she sees her mystery man from the night before. And, wow, I get butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> I mean, wh- what are the odds? 
what are the odds that the dude that she met in the bar the night before is now her boss? Yeah. Um, and I felt like the way... So they go into the stairwell and start talking. And I just feel like um, the way he's talking to her is kind of predatory. Yeah, it's kind of not appropriate. Like... Looking back on it. <laughs> I think that if this actually happened... And, like, this attending was having a relationship with this brand new intern. I think the attending would get fired. Yeah, Title IX, baby. Like, that. he is not professional. He's kind of, like, like creepy. Like, creepy first date guy. I don't know. He's, like, oh, like, he's, like, looking at her weird and she's, like, stop looking at me like that. Yeah, and he's very charming, obviously. And too like, charming. Don't trust it. Yeah, and... Everyone kind of looks at him and, like, melts a little bit. Because he's a dreamy. I mean, come on. I mean, they do it on purpose. But um, if you really, like, take that out of the equation and you think about it, it's it's a little weird. Yeah, he's, you know, he's looking at her, like, kind of creepy. And she's like, stop looking at me like you've seen me naked. And he's like, oh, (laughs) like, I have seen you naked, whatever, whatever. Yep. Which is, like, not appropriate. You know she's, like, that, if it was me... I would have completely snapped out of my relationship self and went into professionalism. And she's really professional in this situation too. And he's not. And that red flags. Yeah. Definitely red flags. So So the next scene is George in surgery. You know, he got his first um, solo surgery. Burke said it's him. Uh, Bailey goes on about how he wasn't even supposed to be in the program to begin with. So, he's standing in the OR reciting how to do an appendectomy, which an appendectomy is when you get your appendix removed. So, he's taking out someone's organ on his first day. Right, and all of the interns, which by the way, there are a lot of random interns that you never see again yeah they're like in the gallery um and they're talking and they're like oh he's gonna mess up and meredith meredith actually defends him um and she says hey that's one of us down there where's your loyalty and she honestly meredith has her flaws we all do but all in all she's pretty loyal yeah she's um she is very loyal actually everyone else isn't yeah (laughs) think about it literally no one else is but um and then you hear Christina say, oh, that Burke is trouble. Right um, when they start the surgery. Yep, which is, I think, foreshadowing her relationship with him. Yes. Um, even though she hasn't really talked to him during this entire episode. Yeah. Yeah, her character doesn't really talk to him at all. Nope, she really only talks to Meredith. Yeah. Yeah, she really only has dialogue with Meredith. Yep, and they're, like, automatic friends, which is which is pretty cool. I pretty guess. cool. So... The surgery begins, and it's going pretty well for George. He's doing everything he's supposed to do until he pulls too hard on the strings. I don't really know what the strings are. <laughs> Reiterating again, we're not doctors. We're not anything in medicine. And I just want to say, apparently, they were using animal organs to film oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Well, yuck. So, he pulls these strings, and he essentially, like, almost kills the patient but so basically he pulls too hard on a string and 
the patient starts beginning to, like, fill up with, I think, stool, which is kind of gross because that's poop. But, so, um, Preston is like, okay, what are you going to do? And George freezes. And then Burke, literally at the last second, pops in and calls him a pansy-ass idiot. And he kicks him right out of his OR. Which, you know, little tough, like, give George some credit. Okay, and if this is really a teaching hospital, wouldn't he stay to show him how to do it? Yeah, or not tell him to get his balls out of his front pocket, and then he's a pansy-ass idiot. That's not teaching. Nope, so that's when we were like, yeah, Burke's on a huge power trip. Huge. Like, probably shouldn't be a teacher. So, in the gallery... They were all like, okay, like, haha, like, he didn't end up doing well. And then we discover his nickname. Yep, so Alex's actual first line in the show is um, saying that George is 007, which is pretty important for George's character. License to kill. Yep, um, and I wonder, I actually didn't look into this, but I wonder if they added that in later since Alex was uh, CGI'd into that scene. That's true, because they do bring up the fact that he is 007 a few more times throughout this episode. Yeah, so maybe someone else said it, and then they made Alex say it because he's such a jerk. Yeah. So then we move into actually learning more about Alex after this. So it looks as though they're in kind of like an um, like a ER patient care center, or like post-op surgery. I think it's post-op they're in. Mm-hmm. And you hear Alex kind of like belittling a nurse who's been here probably longer than Alex has been alive. Yep. And he was like, Did you go to four years of medical school? Then I'm right. It's the right diagnosis. So he's trying to diagnose a patient that's post op of a surgery. And I think like he's trying to say it's one thing, and the nurse is like, Really? You haven't checked all the options. It could be option B. You know, this mm-hmm. she could be sick from this. And apparently, in real um, hospitals, surgeons don't usually diagnose patients with anything. Yeah, That's it's kind not of their job. Weird why a surgical intern would be there and not like a regular intern, like a regular med school intern, but like someone from diagnostics or something. Yeah. So that's you know we get our first kind of insight on how Alex is kind of our antagonist. He's kind of an asshole. Yep. And they put his character in there to be the exact opposite of George's character, which you can just already see. Yeah. That he is the exact opposite of George's character. So then they're all sitting in, which I think is like the basement area by the morgue. That's kind of like their hangout area. It's their hangout area for almost the entire show. Yeah, which is really sweet that, like, they maintain things like that, like, small details, which I love how Grace does. Yeah, little traditions. So, um, they're sitting there, and George is kind of freaking out about what just happened in the OR. He's like, you know, everyone keeps calling me 007, and Meredith, Christina, and Izzy are, like, kind of calming him down. They're like, dude, like, not a big deal, It's fine, it's whatever, but it kind of is a big deal. Yeah, and I think George was um, actually not even that confident of a character to begin with. Yeah. So I think it knocks him down another level. Um, And then he is talking to Meredith outside, and it, like, sort of starts their friendship, but I honestly feel like they were never really that close. No. 
I feel like they make, like, they want you to believe they're super close, but they're not really that close. Well, I think it's just because they're really focusing in on Meredith, so. Yeah. They're really focusing in on her relationships with everyone instead of their relationships with each other. Exactly. That's actually a really good way to put it. Right. So, (laughs) um, Meredith gets, um, so Meredith's main patient is Katie Bryce. And Katie Bryce kind of, you know, as we know, is kind of a snotty, uh, beauty queen. And the first time she pages for Meredith, she wants to know what channel her pageant's on. And the, you know, the TV doesn't have the channel that she wants to watch. And Meredith's kind of pissed off about that. She's like, you know what? This is a hospital. Like, you can't page me about stupid little things like this. So, while they're sitting down talking to George down there, um, she gets another page. And she doesn't do Bailey's rule where if you get a page, you run. She walks. And she takes the stairs. She takes the stairs. I mean, maybe she's trying to get a little bit more, like, cardio in her day. I don't know. (laughs) But she takes the stairs, and she takes her sweet-ass time getting up there, and it ends up being that Katie actually needs medical help. She's having a seizure, and the nurses can't control it. She walks in, and the nurses are yelling, you know, where were you? And then Katie begins to code, and Meredith freezes, and... You know, as we know, a code is when the patient's heart stops beating and they need um, AED. Mm-hmm. You know, they need their heart shocked back to life. So. So she gets the paddles. She saves her. Um, and she definitely learns her lesson about walking to pages. Yeah. Um, I, who comes in and yells at her? Was it Burke? Uh, Bailey comes in and yells at her. Okay. And she's like, what's my first rule? Blah, 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 blah. And it's interesting because they kind of, like, mute Bailey a little bit and focus in on Meredith and her feelings as if, like, you were in her head. Yep. So she is kind of in utter shock and she walks out of the hospital, out a side door, and she throws up. And I think that kind of is her, like, wake-up call that her job really involves life-or-death situations. Right. And it's heavy. And I don't think, like, I think that's her first realization that like wow okay this job is heavy right and like also you notice christina follows her out there and asks if she's okay which is christina's rule a lot of the time yeah she is generally checking on meredith yeah like and this is where we kind of discover their first like ounce of friendship right um Um, so that scene ends, and Meredith is like, don't tell a soul about what happened out here. And she doesn't. Like, right. you'll see, like, throughout the whole show, they don't mention this again. They don't, like, she doesn't use this vulnerable point that she sees Meredith in as something against her. She never even mentions it again. So yeah. Burke and George are kind of buddy-buddy in this episode. No, but- they're not, but... No, not they're, really. They're not friends, but they're always together. So, Burke makes George his guy. And his guy is kind of, like, the the intern that he kind of messes with the whole three years of their internship. Mm-hmm. So, um, Burke is a heart surgeon, and George preps one of his patients for surgery. And he promises the wife that 
his husband will be or her husband will be okay which is kind of a heavy promise to give because you know you can't you never know you never know like god you're not god and so in the surgery um the patient doesn't make it and george tells burke you know i promised his wife that he'll be fine and burke once again another power trip with rightfully so kind of power trip here no yeah this is a good teaching moment he's like why would you promise that the patient's gonna be okay like i'm not god i can't predict every surgery is gonna be success Mm -hmm. so his you know consequence from his actions is that george needs to go tell this wife that he promised his husband or her husband would be fine that you know she's a widow Right, and I think it's um, interesting that he makes George do that by himself. Um, I noticed that in future episodes, normally if the intern is the one informing the family, they at least have another doctor, like the lead doctor on the surgery with them and coaching them through how to tell them the right way. Like how come he just sent this brand new intern to tell the family he's never even done it before and he just did it by himself. Not a good teacher. More facts. Preston Burke should not be a teacher. (laughs) Okay, so the next scene is Derek basically... (laughs) Like, I feel like this isn't a good move for your first day on the job. So Katie has these seizures that they don't understand where they're coming from. And Derek's this world-class neurosurgeon, and he doesn't know where this girl's seizures are coming from. Mm-hmm. And apparently he's like the best. So, what, what? he asks the interns for help. Um, but I also think it shows that Derek isn't on as much of a power trip as other people. Yeah, like he asks for help when he needs it. And that's I feel like a good quality to have, especially as a doctor. Like you can't, we're they're not they're not God. They're not gonna know, you know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. They don't have that higher power. So I think it's good to be humble, you know? Right. Um, And then Christina and Meredith work on this case together. And ultimately, Meredith figures it out. But what's the prize? What what do they win? So they get to scrub in on the surgery. Yes. So the basically the prize of figuring out why Katie's having these seizures is they get to scrub in on the surgery. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, the interns are kind of like scalpel hungry like they want to be in a surgery so they're gonna work hard and they're gonna team up to do it but meredith let something like that um like their one night stand deter her from wanting to be in an or which i feel like is so unlike her yeah and not really the message that shonda is kind of putting on to us throughout the episode where like you know meredith should have been like okay like i'm taking this out of the equation i am here to be a surgeon and I want to win this surgery. Yep. So her and Christina team up to figure out, you know, why she's having these seizures. Right. And Meredith figures it out. And she tells Christina, I don't want to scrub in with him because we slept together. Well, she doesn't mention that at first. No. But she does after she figures it out. Yeah, so basically Christina asks her, like, what's up? Like, why don't you want to scrub it in the surgery? And she basically tells, like, yeah, 
we slept together. I don't want anything to do with him. Yep. And Christina never told anyone about it, which I think is another... Um, it's like highlight of her character. Yeah, like they are good friends. Like they are loyal to each other. Mm-hmm. But um, Christina makes it seem like she came up with it, sort of, when she tells Derek. Yeah. But actually Meredith is the one because she's having these seizures flashback to the beginning of the episode when she was lost and that Katie said she was at the hospital for her sprained ankle Katie fell during one of her pageant routines sprained her ankle but hit her head which caused an aneurysm which is causing the brain to bleed so Meredith is the one that figures this out but Christina's the one that tells Derek yeah, and then Derek still picks Meredith to scrub in on the surgery. So naturally, Christina thinks that he's favoring her because they slept together. Um, and that's what Meredith thinks at first, too. Yeah, which is understandable. And Meredith gets mad at Derek. She's like, don't pick me for this. Like, don't favor me. And I think she has that mindset because of who her mother is. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want anyone to, like... Uh, favor her based on that she wants to work for her own accomplishments and then Derek says well you've been her doctor all day like why would I not pick you which now you know Derek is becoming you know kind of more of a professional instead of a hoe yeah (laughs) still kind of a hoe still kind of a hoe um and then Christina drops it she says she does say um, if you're going to be a shark, be a shark to Meredith after Meredith comes to her to apologize, which is, I think, pretty important because they do say that throughout the entire series. Like, yeah. It's a big line. If you want to be a shark, be a shark. And I feel like that's like the guard they have to put up being in this position of mm-hmm. being an intern, like fighting for everything. It almost kind of gives me the vibe. So like I'm a dancer and it kind of gives me the vibe of like going to an audition and like fighting for a part. Yeah, amongst your friends. Yeah. But also like you're competing against them. Yeah, it's literally throwback to the first scene with Chief and they're in the OR and it's it's a battleground. They're fighting for their careers essentially. So yeah. And like I was uh, a swimmer my whole life and swimming is a very individual sport even though you're on a team you're still always competing against your friends and your teammates, so it is sort of like that, too. So I think the show makes a lot of uh, relatable uh, situations, honestly. Mm -hmm. So Meredith ends up scrubbing into the surgery, and I think she kind of has a moment where she's like, okay, like, this is something I want to do. Like, Derek aside, friendships, fights aside, like, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah, and she was amazed. It was very cool for her. And you hear Derek say, he says it's a beautiful night to save lives. But But it's usually, it's a beautiful day to save lives. But I guess it depends on, like, when his surgery was. I guess (laughs) the surgery was at night. Um, But this is a line that, once again, is thrown throughout the entire show. And that's kind of his catchphrase. Yeah, and I think it shows how, like, they try to portray him as kind of a confident but also chill kind of guy like he's like good cop yeah like he's like all right let's do this like yeah he's very positive um not that big of an ego at least in the beginning at least in the beginning um so yeah that that's a really like beautiful moment for meredith finding her 
you know, her career. Like, Mm -hmm. a reassurance that she's here for a reason. Right. Um, So it was definitely really powerful, even though they didn't even make it seem like it was super powerful, but it was. Yeah. And you don't know that until you watch more of the show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the show is ending, and she has kind of this voiceover. um, And she's talking about how... You know, she really likes her program. She's made a few friends. She doesn't think she's going to sell her house. And then you discover that she's talking to the audience, but she's also talking to someone else. And who she's talking to is her mother, Alice Gray, who's sitting in a nursing home. Right. And a fun fact, again, um, is that the voiceover was actually a last-minute decision um, they filmed the whole pilot episode, and they felt like something was missing, and they decided to put the voice out over narration in, which is definitely interesting because every episode of Grey's Anatomy has one. Yes. They're, every episode starts with one, um, and they're pretty powerful a lot of the time. They set the mood for the show, and I honestly can't imagine the show without them. I can't either. Um... So yeah, that's really the end of our first episode. Yeah, and you learn that her mother has Alzheimer's. Um, No one... She doesn't mention it at all during the episode, so it seems like no one really knows about it. Yeah, people know about her mother. They know about Alice Gray and how she's this amazing surgeon, and, um, you know, she's kind of a legacy Meredith here. Yep, and I don't know if they mentioned it in the episode, but um, everyone pretty much thinks that her mom is on vacation or something yeah they don't really know why uh where her mom is but we as the audience know that you know she is going through this you know medical issue yeah yeah she you know she has alzheimer's she has very faint memory of what's going on but meredith seems kind of oddly hopeful you know not even really hopeful but she seems to have, like, a positive spin on it, sort of. Yeah. Um, so, and I also have, I have a question that I haven't been able to answer. Um, Maybe someone knows it out there. Yeah, so, basically, um, Meredith mentioned that she moved back from Boston. hmm And later in the show, you learn that um, after Meredith's mom splits up with Thatcher, her ex-husband, she moves to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where Meredith, like, went to, she went to school. Basically grew up. She, like, lived there for a long time, a large portion of her life. Why, all of a sudden, does she move back to Seattle? Why do they still have that house? Apparently mm-hmm. it was just empty all those years, and they were, what, just paying for it? Um, why does her mom go to a care facility in Seattle. And especially when she doesn't really want people to know that she's there. Right, she doesn't... Why would you go to where your whole career essentially was started? Right, so that was just like all of my questions. And I was trying to find answers and I couldn't. So let me know if if you find out. Yeah, <laughs> these, are, these are the questions. Like, yes, we're super fans and yes, we nitpick this entire episode but there's some things that we don't know so if you guys know things that we don't know answer our questions you know send us an email 
Um, and I just want to mention one more fun fact about the show as a whole. Um, so the show was actually named after a textbook that mm-hmm. is called Grey's Anatomy. Um, and it's written by Henry Gray, who was a doctor who died uh, nine years, I think, after writing the, either writing the textbook or starting of becoming a doctor. But wow. um, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And it's cool because, like, you think of the show as the textbook when you, if you don't know, if you're novice to the show. But then when you look into it, it's really about Meredith Gray. Yeah, yeah. they spelled it. So Henry Gray was spelled G-R-A-Y. So his textbook was called Gray's Anatomy with an A. And Meredith's <laughs> last name is Gray with an E, so they called it Gray's Anatomy with an E. That's such a big debate. Like, how do you spell Gray? The color? Yeah, the color. A-Y. A-Y? Yeah. See, I spell it A-Y, too. I think E-Y is, um... Is a last name? a British name. thing. Oh, it's an E... Oh. I think it's, like, in the UK. Okay. I think that's how they spell it. Because, like, that's such a big debate. Like, people are like, are you A-Y or E-Y? Like... I'm not positive, um, but I'm pretty sure that that's it. I like the way E-Y looks, but I feel like A-Y is the... Like, the... Like, how you would actually say it. Yeah, like phonetically. Yeah, that's the word, phonetically. Yeah. All right, so I think that's the end of our first podcast. Yay. Oh my gosh. We did it. Thank you. If you made it to the end, thank you for listening. We will be doing pretty much weekly podcasts of each episode. Yeah, so um, tune in next week when we dissect episode number two. Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> um. Yeah, so thank you for listening, and we'll... See you next week. It's a beautiful day to listen to our Mick podcast. I love it.